0: Uh, my name's Tim and I'm an alcoholic. Hi, right, Tim. Uh, my date of sobriety is the 24th of July 1993. Very grateful to be alive, very grateful to be sober, very grateful to be in a meeting tonight. Uh, my home group is the Brick Lane Big Book Study, which meets on a Saturday, which is a thriving group. Give go for dinner afterwards. Uh, and I love that because it, it, it gives people, somewhere to be on a Saturday evening. Um, When I got sober, I didn't have anywhere to be at any point in time at all. (laughs) I'd burnt my life to the ground uh, by the age of 21. Um, uh, In fact, the conflagration stopped me from building anything in the first place. would probably be more accurate. Such as I did build, I tore down. My alcoholism is very swift and very destructive. Um, What characterizes it and means that it's alcoholism and not just heavy or foolish drinking is that, well, first of all, I knew perfectly well what I was doing. I knew perfectly well from when I first drank as a teenager that for me, this substance, which was so harmless. To other people was dynamite for me. Um, I grew up in a uh, somewhat French household, so we were given children. Children were given wine mixed in with water from an early age. Uh, I'm not saying this made me alcoholic. I, you know, only two of us in my family are alcoholics. If that made people alcoholics, we would all be alcoholics, but we're not. Um, but when I first had um, undiluted alcohol. I knew immediately this was going to be a problem. I was going to have to try to limit the consequences because I wanted nothing other than to drink all of it. All of mine and all of yours. All that there is. Um, That's the only option I have when I drink is to drink (laughs) so much I cause immense problems, partly because of the substance itself and partly because of the um, antisocial and destructive things I do when I'm drinking and I become a danger to myself and others. So, m- moderation is not an option for me and limiting the consequences was not an option. When the uh, I'm given to understand, I'm not a an engineer, but I'm given to understand that uh, when the uh, Titanic was struck, Mm. the water gradually sloshed from one compartment to another over the top of the bulkheads because of the way the iceberg hit and the angle the boat started listing at. And it was like that with my drinking. Initially, the, the, the consequences were in one compartment over here, and I thought it was all safe. But gradually more and more compartments were affected until it was everywhere. Um, I couldn't even go back to my family and keep it together for the couple of days I was supposed to be there, which up to that point had been the only couple of days I could keep it together was in front of my mother who had to witness my brother's uh, deterioration and uh, destruction through alcohol so the last thing I wanted to do at least if I could keep it together for a couple of days that would be fine Um, but I couldn't even do that in the end so the the notion that I could ever control it um, is absurd I mean I had breaks as well Uh, sobriety and abstinence uh, periods of sobriety and abstinence don't, don't enable me, when I returned to drinking, to drink any more reasonably. I'm, I'm back to exactly the way I was before. And that feature of my drinking was true, whether things were good or bad, whether things were going my way or going in the opposite direction, whether I was reasonably cheerful or very depressed. Uh, the action of alcohol on me was constant, which after the consequences became intolerable and they first became intolerable when I was 18 um, leaves me with only one option which is to stop altogether and this is where the, this is where the bad news really sets in is that I, I, I can apparently stop for a little while that little while can vary from anything from a couple of days to a few months but invariably I start again um, because alcohol afforded me access to another realm which allowed me to transcend the reality around me, I found so unacceptable. Uh, and there are people who are perfectly happy outside AA in material reality. You find a way of making peace with it without having to transcend it and that's fine. It's not a of judgement, it's just an observation. And. I'm given to understand there are even people in AA that once they get sober are fine with a material existence. They get all of the bits and pieces of a material existence um, organised, so the family and the, the job and the house and the this and the that. And it's they're fine. And I would look at those people a number of years sober and I had the same External things, all the same uh, pressures, all the same joys, and I was deeply miserable and they weren't. And it wasn't because my past hadn't been cleared up. There was something fundamentally missing. Um, And what that was, I needed to access whatever that realm was, stone cold sober, uh, without a drink, without a drug, and without... Any of the other appealing but destructive behaviors which (laughs) allow me temporarily to escape the material realm let's not list them but we know what they are everyone has a different shopping list of those Um, I had to find a way and still do have to find a way of doing that and I'm not going to beat around the bush with this. Is, it's, it's a power grace for myself. And, and I personally don't have a problem with the word God. It's nice and short, which is why I use it. Um, but uh, I was, I think, instructed not to bring any of my pre-existing baggage about that word and project it onto the word. It's just a word. I was allowed to um, invest that word with whatever meaning... I wanted to invest it with. Um, And for me, it's that which enables me to breathe in a world which I would otherwise feel suffocated in. It's something which allows me to be alive, um, even though uh, one's physical form (laughs) is gradually deteriorating. Uh, I cannot have my existence based in the material world. I've got to exist in it. That's why my work is apparently for my higher power. Help other alcoholics to achieve sobriety. Um, uh, I'm in another fellowship as well, and I help various people in a couple of countries where the recovery world is, is very new. So my work is here. I can't have my existence here, because the thing is, what my ego wants in the material world is is uh, comfort, which is very nice, and security. And neither of these... These are available to a certain extent, but neither are constants. And the trouble is with being conscious and being sober. Of course, I'm apart from when I'm asleep or obsessed with something, I'm conscious, and you can't block reality out it I've come to various rock bottoms over the course of my recovery... Where I cannot block reality out, so I have to transcend what I see and allow myself to be lifted up. And I, this is a wonderful phrase that uh, a wonderful image that a friend of mine came up with is: you can't stand in a bucket and lift yourself up in the air by pulling on the handles. But that's exactly what I did for many years, it, it was well, out of AA and in AA thinking I can think my way into a better life or understand my way into a better life or philosophize my way into a better life or even religion myself into a better life. And I can't. It's, it's actually the opposite. Um, uh, it's about, as it says in that wonderful reading, letting go absolutely. And what I had to let go absolutely of, of was my... Unfortunately, and this is, you said the thing is with alcoholism recovery, it's one piece of bad news after, <laughs> after the next one. Um, I had to let go of my entire perception of reality and mechanism for processing what I thought was going on around me. Uh, the way my sponsor once phrased it was that I have to let go of uh, the story I've told myself to replace reality. <laughs> Um, I talk to a lot of people in AA for various reasons, and uh, whenever there's a blow up or a bust up, I get to hear about the blow up or bust up from every single angle. (laughs) And I've never heard the same event described consistently by more than one person. And yet when I'm upset, In the moment that I'm upset, I will never question the story I'm telling myself about it. Even though all of the evidence points to the fact that everyone else (laughs) appears to be deluded, everyone else sees what they want to see. Oh, but I'm not doing that. Of course I'm doing that. Um, And the the real danger comes when I start to react to what I see. Um, As a friend of mine puts it, uh, someone is firing ghost bullets at you, and you fire, fire real bullets back. And I've spent my whole life attacking people for my interpretation of what they did. I'm never upset, this is wonderful, calls it an axiom in step 10 in the 12 and 12, um, that I'm never upset because of anything outside of myself, I'm only upset because of, of me. Mm-hmm. If, some, if I'm disturbed, There is something wrong with me. And the solution to alcoholism, um, what got me to stop relapsing, because I was relapsing, uh, or or, or, um, to relapse, one's got to have recovered in the first place. I hadn't recovered. Uh, I resumed drinking on a regular basis for three years between the ages of 18 and 21. And what stopped that... um, Lapsing back into alcohol was basically more bad news. Finding the strongest, toughest, most cheerful people in AA and saying to them, I'm going to do precisely, precisely what you asked me to do and I'll judge it after I've experienced doing it, (laughs) not before. And the drinking stopped. The desire to drink left me. I was restored to sanity uh, by taking actions I didn't believe in because the people that suggested the actions were doing markedly better than me. And those actions were very simple. Um, I was to uh, live in the day and entrust the rest of my life and the rest of the day and everyone else's business to my higher power and just concern myself with conducting myself well. Uh, I'd spent my life being concerned with my welfare and other people's conduct. And the job was to f- to flip that and become concerned with my conduct and other people's welfare, um, which is a lifetime's job. Um, I had to do a step four in which I discovered that my uh, childhood had been very long and was now over. And it was time to put it behind me and accept that all of the People, some of whom were, you know, in the world's terms, genuinely wicked. But they weren't being wicked to me right now. They weren't being wicked to me right here. And if I was going to feel forgiven for anything, I'd I did some wicked things. I needed to forgive them. <clears throat> um, I shared my step five, which was a rotten piece of work. Um, two out of ten. I'd give it now. The first step five I did. It was done honestly. As honest as I could be at the time. And it did the trick. It secured me more sobriety. And when I shared it with my sponsor, um uh he said, should we go for a pizza? That was his res- that was the aggregate of his response. Um I said to him, because I'd heard it it was very fashionable at the time to talk about one's character assets. And I said do I have any assets? (laughs) And he said, the willingness to change. (laughs) Because the thing is, my worth is not established by doing a mathematical calculation of all the good things I've done and all the bad things I've done. Because I'm not what I've done, I'm not what I think, I'm not what I believe, I'm not what I feel, I'm beyond all that. So trying to add it all up like an algebra problem is is not the way to find out who I am or how much I'm worth I'm behind I'm the one who's behind all of that who's been operating the world with some very bad information um step six and seven um I go to God for removal of my defects when I've tried everything else (laughs) and ultimately that is the process of achieving willingness I believe in step six um when I try to think my way out of it, when I try to be a good little boy and behave better, and yet for the thousandth time in a row I blow up or implode, I have to say I cannot do this. Chuck Chamberlain talks about coming in being a, to AA being a, a tongue-chewing, babbling idiot. And uh, I've got to recognise today when I've got a problem I'm just as much of a tongue-chewing, babbling idiot. And I need the humility to recognise I can't solve the problem with the problem. (laughs) The problem is my mind, and I can't use that as my primary tool. So it's about letting go. And then doing my best to clear up the wreckage with other people. And that takes innumerable forms, as it says in the literature. and there's no one I know who I've caused trouble with, who I haven't done my utmost to make amends to. And that's where the freedom comes from. Freedom to do what? As a friend of mine says, you, make, you do you complete your step nine, it frees up the whole afternoon because you're no longer obsessed and scuttling around trying to avoid people, places and things. Mm. Um, my job now is to be a channel for my my power to shine through at any particular place I'm at, at any particular time. And it's not arrogance to say that, because that's true of everyone, I believe. It would be arrogance to think that I can come up with a role for myself which is more important than the role that God has assigned me. That would be arrogant to say to God, the design is wrong, Uh, we're gonna scrap your plans, I'll take it from here. (laughs) That would not be humility. So my job is just to go, let it all go and say, God, what would you have me do now? What would you have me say? Who would you have me be be with? And let the cards fall where they fall. Let it break around you. And often it does break around one. (laughs) But to let it and not interfere with that. Um, I'm going to stop there. Thank you for listening. Thanks, Tim. Thanks, Bill.